It's episode 45, and today I'm talking about our negativity bias and hopefully how we can overcome it. First of all, I'm going to explain the negativity bias to you and potentially why we evolved this way. Then I'm going to talk about how bringing this kind of idea into your conscious awareness or understanding it can be crucial in managing it. Finally, I'm going to talk through a bunch of different strategies that can potentially help you manage your own propensity to overemphasize the negative in your life. So let's get going. Welcome to Here to Thrive. I'm your host, Kate Snowwise. This is a podcast for people who are ready to step up and live a happier life. It's for those of us who are dedicated to understanding ourselves and getting the best that we can out of this thing called life. It's a mix of psychology and modern spiritual thought, always with a focus on practical advice so that you can take it back and apply it to your own life. I don't believe we're here to merely survive. I truly believe we're here to thrive. So let's get going. What is the negativity bias? Have you ever heard of it? Researchers have found over the years, kind of was around about the early 90s that people started talking about this, that we are hardwired to give more of our energy to the negative parts of our environment. We are basically fearful beings. We have a greater sensitivity to negative things, anything that could be considered a threat or something that could harm us in some way, we are more highly attuned to. Literally, our brains have way more activity going on when we're faced with a negative stimulus than when we are presented with something that should be kind of equally positive or have the same kind of emotional weight. A bunch of researchers have proven this by looking at our brain scans and images while showing people different pictures and things that should have invoked equal kind of emotional responses in them. The negative ones triggered this response more quickly and also a lot more brain activity was taking place. If you're into the sort of the science behind this, I have linked to a couple of articles in the show notes that you will be able to pull around it. But why did we evolve this way? Why are our brains wired to focus on the more negative stuff? Survival. It makes sense, right? We can only assume, but it does make sense that In order for us to keep alive, back in the day when there were many threats around us, we were better to be a little bit scared than overly cocky, for lack of a better way to put it. It was better to run from a potential threat and save our life than it was to potentially miss an opportunity. Now, this was all well and good in our caveman days. We were kept safe by being more cautious. Where this is no longer so useful is in modern times when we are lucky enough, many of us, to be focusing on what a good life looks like. And the negativity bias can undermine our desire to chase after that good life, especially if we let it unconsciously run the show. So whereas back in the day, our negativity bias was a protection mechanism that kept us from kind of getting killed by the tiger out in the woods, now 
it's kind of turned on us and is often holding us back from really having the connection with other people that we want to have or living the lives that we are capable of because we're not recognizing this natural tendency to overinflate the negative consequences of stuff. So what kind of impact does this have in our life in the current day and age? It means that we typically will recall negative memories more easily than we may positive ones. I've seen this in my own clients and I notice it in myself that if you ever receive critical feedback, it seems to overshadow all of the positive. We're naturally drawn to focusing on the one thing that wasn't glowing in our 360 report or the one thing that a client put as constructive feedback in a survey, then we are on all of the positive and grateful comments that you may receive. It also means that we may be more prone to worry. I've got some clients who are what I would describe as highly sensitive people. And I feel like when we're wired to be more sensitive, that sometimes this response mechanism or this tendency to focus on the negative and be more vigilant becomes even more highly aroused. And unfortunately, that can lead to things like anxiety and really holding ourselves back from experiencing life in its full capacity because we have these threats and fears in our head that may in fact be inflated or sometimes unjustified. So all in all, if we're not aware of it, the negativity bias can kind of hijack our systems and stop us from really getting the good stuff out of life. But how do we overcome it? What do we do about it? This is where I believe it's incredibly important to just understand it, to know that your mind is likely to want to ruminate and play with the negative so much more than it is the positive gives you some power. By bringing this concept into kind of a conscious space, it means that you can hit the override button. You can say, oh, I'm not falling into that trap. Thanks, negativity bias. I'm not being sucked in. It gives you the ability to be the observer of your own behavior. So the first tip around how to overcome your negativity bias is to be aware of it. So you've already ticked that box by listening today. Moving on from there, the second tip I have for you is around deepening that space of self-observation. And there is no better way to do that than meditation. Now, I know that many people are kind of like, eek, meditation, no thank you very much. But the beauty of meditation is it's truly brain training. You are teaching your brain to have those spaces in between thoughts. And it's when our thoughts kind of are running around on crazy overdrive that I have noticed that people are most affected by this negativity bias because you're sucked into this kind of unconscious thought or thought that is running away by itself. What meditation can do is help you widen those gaps between thoughts and move into more of an observer space so that you can kind of watch your thoughts. 
might sound kind of fluffy when you're hearing me talk about it, but it really is an amazing side effect of meditation. If you are interested in trying meditation, no affiliate, no sponsorship or anything going on here, but I really like Headspace. I think it's a beautiful way to start and it doesn't have layers of kind of fluff added to it. But Andy does a really good job of explaining the benefits and what meditation is doing as you train your brain. So if it's something you'd like to try, by all means, start there. That was Headspace. So taking this awareness a step further, I want to talk about your interactions and your personal relationships. We are more prone to focus on the negative in our relationships than we are on the positive. Anyone hearing me on that? thinking about your relationship with your spouse or close friends? Is it the negative things that you feel like you may be focusing on or perhaps they focus on with you? It's after you've been with someone for a while that you can get sucked into this potential to see the negative before seeing the positive. But the problem is the negative stuff hurts us more. And so for a relationship to stay healthy or happy, we can't kind of have an equal ratio of negative to positive going on. This isn't like a 50-50 split. In fact, research has found in Gottman's work, I've mentioned this in a previous episode, it's a five to one ratio. Yep, you heard me. You have to have five positive interactions with your spouse or other relationships to every one negative to keep it moving in the right direction, to keep it happy and healthy. Why this is important is when you know that, you've got more power to focus on purposefully creating those positive interactions. So for example, today, going home to see your spouse, how can you focus on something more positive? How can you breathe a little bit of positivity into your relationship? Being conscious of this is incredibly powerful. That leads me on to my fourth point, which is around cultivating gratitude. Now, the reason this works here is that when we're grateful, We push aside the negative voice and we can choose to be grateful. This is why I love gratitude so much because it's an emotion that we can choose to invoke. We have the power to turn it on. We just have to spend some time doing so. Other emotions like joy or excitement aren't so easy to control, but gratitude, we can control that one. You'll hear people talk about like gratitude practice where they write down things every night. I'm a huge believer in making it simple and I wasn't good at keeping a nightly diary or writing a note every evening. So for me, it's now become part of my routine that as I lay my head down on my pillow, that I choose to just recall in my mind three things that I'm grateful for in the preceding day. Now, before you say I'm going to say the same thing every evening, I've made it a trick with myself that I have to look for something little in my day. So not everything can be I'm grateful for my kids, I'm grateful for the roof over my head and the food on my table, because we can very easily turn those into kind of rote experiences. I believe gratitude is incredibly powerful when we look for the little things in life. Like I was grateful for the feel of that sunshine on my skin coming through the window today. 
or I was grateful for that beautiful cup of coffee that I had this morning when I got to work. So just a little something you can add potentially to your day to help combat the negativity bias is this looking for what you are grateful for. Like I said, you can simply bring it to mind. It doesn't need to be written down. You want to take it to the next level, you can. As I was talking about earlier, one of the downsides to the negativity bias is that we will often have negative memories sort of more permanently etched into our memory banks than the positive ones are. Some of the research has indicated that to really form those positive memories, we have to sit with that positivity for longer for it to really imprint in our brain. Like I said, the negative memories often imprint very quickly with the highly aroused systems in our brain. So how can we combat that? A really good way is to literally take a pen and paper and write out five positive memories. So five times in your life when you felt really joyful, happy, and full of all things Good. The reason I want you to do this, and it will take a little while, is that this will form a very strong positive memory bank so that when you are faced with negativity or frustrating thoughts that are bringing you down, you can call on this positive memory bank to kind of counteract the effect. It doesn't necessarily matter the memory. It's for no one else but you. So the final idea I share with my clients is to keep a record of your achievements. You could call this the Good Stuff Journal or my friend Lindsay Preston calls it a wins record, I believe. But you can keep a note of what has gone right. The beauty of doing this is that in those moments when you're feeling your energy be sucked down because perhaps you got one piece of negative feedback from a coworker or something else is kind of weighing heavy on your heart and you're being sucked into that negativity trap, you can come back to your record of awesomeness and fill the bucket back up. Literally do that counteracting yourself. So you'll have one less than positive thing going on or one comment or whatever it might be or development area and you can immediately counteract that with five or six positive experiences. Maybe they are notes from a past client or the positive feedback in a 360 or a kind word from a supportive friend, an email that made you smile. Keep that joy trigger close and keep that achievement list or warm you up list, the list of awesomeness, close so that you can call on it when you need it to counteract this potential to be sucked into a negativity trap. One way to do this is through a monthly self-reflection. So if you're not very good at just keeping something close and jotting down the good in it, I encourage my clients to do a a monthly check-in with themselves and write down all of the positive experiences or growth that they've experienced in the last month. So a monthly reflection space can kind of build this into your schedule so you don't forget to do it. If you're working, another way to do this is just to keep a file on your email inbox to the side where you drag and drop anything positive so you can go back and marinate in that file of good stuff when you need to. 
today my hope was just to introduce you to this topic of the negativity bias and let you know that it does exist, that we are likely to put more energy naturally into the stuff that we're not thrilled about than we are the stuff that we are really buzzed about. But we can overcome it through our sort of conscious action and intention. So whereas we may be wired to put more energy naturally into our threats or the negative, that doesn't mean we can't hit an override button. And knowing about this bias allows us to do that. If we can learn to practice sort of some of the simple strategies as well that I've given you today and and do them consistently, we can hopefully keep that negativity bias at bay. Thanks for listening today. I hope this episode got you thinking. If you'd like to know more about the work I do or my coaching options, feel free to visit my website at www.thrive.how. That is thrive.how. If you've been listening to the podcast for a little while and it makes you smile, I would so appreciate if you could leave a review in iTunes. It's kind of like my payoff. So if you were considering a way to try and say thank you, that's how you can do it. I'll be back next week with another episode and until then, keep thriving.